You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us again this week. A big week, a, a big victory this week uh, for election integrity. I'll talk about that. Plus, we have astonishing new documents from the FBI about Big Pharma working with the agency to target a critic. And then I want to give you an update on Ukraine and what the media ain't telling you about it, certainly as it relates to Biden family corruption. Uh, First up, though, is the uh, information that we've received from the FBI showing that our friend James O'Keefe, who founded and runs Project Veritas, was uh, targeted for investigation by the FBI, working in league with Pfizer, it seems. Uh, According to the documents we had um, obtained from the FBI, uh, what's really interesting is, uh, let me go back. Oftentimes, you learn things from the government when they tell you no. Simply asking the question is important. And in this case, we asked the question of the FBI for the following information. Simple, simple request. All records of communications, whether by email, uh, on gov and non.gov accounts, text message or instant chat between officials in the FBI, including but not limited to officials in the offices of the FBI's New York field office on the one hand and employees and representatives of Pfizer Inc. on the other hand regarding Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe and or Project Veritas. And then, of course, we also asked for email communications with Pfizer Inc. employees or representatives included but are not limited to those with the email domain at Pfizer.com. So we basically want to know if the FBI was working with Pfizer to target uh, James O'Keefe and uh, his colleagues at Project Veritas. Well, why is it we asked for that? Because the head of Pfizer recently was on television, or I shouldn't say on television, but publicly talking about, um, I guess it was online discussions, uh, in which uh, he talked about that he was working with the FBI regarding, regarding, quote, dark organizations that were targeting Pfizer. And of course, uh, James uh, obviously was on that list because if you disagree with an entity here in town, you're called a dark group. Uh, and he had uncovered through his journalistic efforts at Project Veritas a certain information about Pfizer and its vaccines that Pfizer and the big media didn't want, want out there. And so uh, he embarrassed Pfizer. Uh, and uh, I think the uh, disclosures were related to uh, fetal stem cells being used in the development of vaccines and how Pfizer didn't really want that out there, you know, and other issues related to the vaccine. So it's very, you know, the typical things that people are concerned about were seemingly verified by uh, internal Pfizer people. So Pfizer evidently was working with the FBI, in reta- it looks to me, to retaliate against uh, O'Keefe. And how am I drawing that conclusion based on what the FBI told us in response to this request? On January 6th, the FBI denied the request for all communications regarding uh, Pfizer, regarding Project Veritas between FBI officials and employees, representatives of Pfizer for the following reason. The material you, you requested is located in an investigative file 
which is exempt from disclosure pursuant to 5 U.S.C. Uh, section 552B7A, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which exempts from disclosure records or information compiled for law enforcement purposes, but only to the extent the production of such law enforcement records or information could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement. Uh, proceedings. The records responsive to your request are law enforcement records. There is a pending or prospective law enforcement proceeding relevant to these responsive records and release of the information could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings. So in telling us no, they confirm they had such communications. At least that's how I read this. And they're in an investigative file that uh, relates to these issues as I'm talking about uh, uh, Pfizer. So you've got Pfizer and the FBI working together against the journalists at Project Veritas, including James O'Keefe. Now, the second request, they told us we can't even tell you whether or not we have email communications from Pfizer.com. Uh, and what's interesting about this, so they can't say, the, the language they use is they can't confirm or deny the existence of such records. Well, what's curious about all of this is that um, the FBI normally doesn't tell us any of this. If you ask about, um, let's say I asked about you, and they said, we can't give you documents about John Smith because we don't confirm or deny investigations into John Smith or anyone else. You know, prior to their conclusion or their public disclosures through prosecutions or things like that. So in the ordinary course, the FBI would have responded to Judicial Watch with a, I can't confirm or deny, or we can't confirm or deny that there's any investigation into James O'Keefe and Project Veritas tied to Pfizer. So this is pretty big stuff because Presumably, the media and concerned Americans would be upset to know that a major corporation, uh, Pfizer, evidently has the FBI at its beck and call to target its critics. And a journalist and journalists who did the basic work of investigative journalism to expose more information related to one of the biggest issues, uh, public policy debates, right now in America, which is the the vaccines and how they've been developed and other issues related to that and how Pfizer has uh, uh, marketed them and what information Pfizer has uh, disclosed about them. And of course, it's especially concerning because the FBI also raided the home of James O'Keefe, uh, allegedly in pursuit of information tied to the supposed theft or slash non-theft of Ashley Biden's diary. So you have the FBI harassing and victimizing James O'Keefe, in my view, uh, through this uh, political raid on his home. And as uh, I interviewed James the other day, we'll post the interview probably, uh, you know, soon. Uh, you know, he reminded me that you know he's he he gets raided by the FBI. He literally is rubbing his hands from the handcuffs they had put on him while they were rummaging through his home, and almost immediately thereafter, he gets a text from the New York Times asking about the investigation and the raid. And how outrageous is that? So you've got this uh, FBI out of control, targeting James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. 
And they're working at the behest, it looks like, of the politicos running the Biden administration with the targeting of Ashley Biden. Uh, or, or targeting him based on um, his alleged connections to the diary of Ashley Biden, which, by the way, I didn't even know about until the raid happened of um, the raid occurred uh, targeting James. I mean, I guess I had missed it um, in the because uh, I, I, I would think I was probably focused on Hunter Biden at the time the Ashley Biden diary information was first published shortly before the election in 2020. So uh, it's, deserve, it's, it's disturbing to see this information come out there. What's also disturbing is that the media doesn't care. You've got big pharma working with the FBI to target a critic. And uh, I mean, this is the stuff from which movies are made, don't you think? And uh, once again, it's Judicial Watch that's uncovering this. And what I like about this is, you know, we, we were investigating this not because, you know, we're friends with Project Veritas, and we are, and we work with them in the past. It's because we see their victims of potential government misconduct. And so we investigate it. And then we get information that confirms they are the victims of potential government misconduct. And the icing on the cake is uh, they're our friends and uh, they uh, get information uh, that they've been deprived of and the public have been deprived of about the abuse targeting them and others. And in the case of Ashley Biden, you may recall, we received information from the local police in Florida confirming what Project Veritas and James O'Keefe were telling the media. So there was no theft. They actually tried to return it and did return the diary, one of their lawyers, to the FBI. And we have the document, excuse me, to the local police, who I think later communicated with the FBI. So uh, it, it just confirms there was no, no crime there. But you can see that the FBI continues to be a menace to the civil liberties of uh, political opponents of the Biden administration. You see this with the misuse of it targeting the parents of um, children who are being abused by school districts, trying to brainwash them with racist and illegal CRT propaganda. Remember, they were trying to target them based on the fake allegation that they were potential domestic terrorists. It's still happening. They're still being targeted. And then you have the raid on James O'Keefe's home and then uh, this confirmation that they're uh, working hand in glove with Pfizer, uh, evidently to target James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Uh, three strikes, you're out. And in the case of the FBI, it's been strike after strike after strike after strike. I don't know what cricket's like. I don't know how many strikes you get in cricket, but it's crazy. The um, I mean, you see it further with uh, and and. And one of the other issues with the FBI is the things that they're supposed to be doing, they don't do all that well. We had that terrorist attack on the synagogue in Texas. And what does the FBI first do? They make political statements uh, trying to minimize the terrorist and political and international significance of the attack. And it quickly became apparent because we've been doing this forever, you kind of know what's going to happen when there's these types of incidents. It's going to be shown that the person involved should have been, uh, should never have been in the United States in this case. He should have been on the radar of law enforcement and should never have been let in the country. 
So the FBI that's trying, it's supposed to be protecting our security, instead is undermining civil liberties of Americans for political reasons, while the bad guys that they're supposed to be going after uh, seem to uh, just continue uh, to commit real crimes that the FBI uh, is supposed to be dealing with. And to me, all of this, whether it be because the Justice Department obviously is involved in any of these decisions, certainly the raid on, on James's home, is um, further proof that the Justice Department and the FBI are irredeemable and uh, need to be uprooted in significant ways in order to be reformed. I mean, that's and, and you know, maybe, maybe even something more substantial than that. I don't know. But the FBI uh, is, um, I, I don't know, how many examples do you need of FBI abuse of people based on their political views before you think, well, maybe the FBI shouldn't be allowed to be uh, doing what they're doing. They shouldn't be given the powers because they've abused those powers repeatedly. So uh, we're asking for more documents. We've got more requests to the FBI about this abuse of James, and you can bet we're going to be doing more. Judicial Watch, what I love about Judicial Watch is, you know, we're like a dog with a bone. We rarely give it up unless a court pulls it away from us. And uh, in this case, you can be sure. Of course, you, you, I, uh, the lawyers always tell you, warn you, don't, you know, you, you don't, we don't, we can't announce the lawsuit until the lawsuit's filed. In this case, I'm reasonably confident that we'll probably be filing a lawsuit to get more information about what's going on here. So uh, I'll keep you updated as events warrant. Next up is uh, some good news. Democracies, and I say democracy, and I know people get triggered sometimes when I use the word democracy. I recognize we're constitutional republic, but I'm using the word democracy because the left likes to use it. They are pretending that uh, state laws that uh, protect votes from being stolen are somehow anti-democratic. And President Biden the other day uh, said that uh, if the state laws that are in, in effect now aren't repealed, or he suggested as much, and uh, that the 2022 elections are going to be illegitimate. Now, the presidential spokesman, Jen Psaki, uh, tried to walk, back, walk that back the next day. But you can go watch uh, Biden's press conference again, read the transcript. And he said it. Now, by the rules of the left, the new rules... He was attacking democracy. He was incite, inciting the overthrow and rejection of our elections. So the new left's rules are that that is impeachable and he should be subject to criminal investigation. Now, obviously, I don't think it's impeachable. Obviously, I don't think she should be subject to criminal investigation, for that at least. <laughs> But it's exactly what they're doing to Donald Trump. They want to put him in jail for saying the same things that Joe Biden has said. And in fact, they already impeached him for doing exactly what Joe Biden is doing, which is undermining 
the faith and confidence in the elections. Uh, thankfully, despite Joe Biden's anger and yelling about uh, this uh, uh, election bill that the left was trying to ram through the Senate, it was stopped. And it was stopped, I'm sure, in no small, small measure, to people like, uh, thanks to people like you, who, if you were paying attention, I'm sure you were calling your senators, calling your members of Congress to oppose this. Now, what the left was doing is that they were trying to change election laws uh, through federal law that would have resulted in states essentially having their elections run by, you know, a federal agency or the Justice Department. So imagine having the CDC or people like that running your elections in your hometown. That would have been the potential result of these bills. They would have eviscerated voter ID. They would have required uh, unsecure uh, mail-in balloting schemes uh, that would have required votes to be counted days and weeks after they were uh, after election day. Some crazy stuff. And they would have provided oversight opportunities to the uh, anti-democratic left to undermine democracy. So every time you heard voting rights bill, you should substitute that word because the fight isn't over. You should, you should substitute voter fraud bill because the bills make it easier to commit voter fraud. Now, voter ID laws, to the extent they exist in certain states and not enough states have them, and a lot of them aren't even strong enough in the states that do, they would have been severely weakened, if not subject to being thrown out entirely once the left got its litigation hands on them through the new processes and new uh, legal, uh, legal requirements that would have been put in place by this federal takeover of our election systems. But they lost. The majority of the Senate refused to buy it. And uh, Senator Sistema and Senator Manchin uh, were the two Democrats who prevented the filibuster rule from being changed in a way uh, that would have uh, allowed this uh, bill or bills to get through by mere majority votes. Now, you know, I've always run hot and cold on the filibuster. It's not in the Constitution. It's a rule of the Senate. You know, but generally speaking, one way to think about the filibuster, which I find mostly persuasive, is that the filibuster is a way of restraining government. It makes it harder for the government to do things. And it's, this is a good example of that. And surely the left understands that because, in my view, it's never really been about the filibuster. It's been about... Uh, getting rid of institutions that get in the way of their power grabs. I keep on reminding people we are, are in a revolutionary period. We have the rising communists controlling the party that's controlling our federal government by, by and large, who are seeking to decimate the institutions that they've been entrusted to with by the American people. So this is why you hear the left not only oppose the filibuster, but they oppose the very idea of the US Senate that was created by our constitutional system. They're already trying to destroy the House of Representatives. Look at Pelosi's January 6th rump committee. The new theory is that all the Republicans who question the elections should be thrown out and kept out of Congress or jailed. 
So you've got the, the Democratic left in this town and in the states and their allies outside trying to jail 100 plus Republican politicians in Congress in one fell swoop or keep them out of office completely for daring to uh, pursue constitution, constitutional and uh, federal remedies under law related to election challenges. As I warned you last week, they've now expanded their scope to include the social media postings of potentially millions of Americans. I mean, they're not just targeting Trump, they're targeting you potentially, certainly if you've been posting stuff online. So this election fight is almost always about things other than what they say they're about. It's about undermining elections. It's about undermining campaigns. I mean, it's my view, uh, given the attack and the changes to the rules that they've been promoting, um, the left is antagonistic to the very idea of elections. I mean, if you have an election that goes over the course of weeks and months, ballots counted over the course of weeks and months, as opposed to, quote, an election day where people show up to vote and people ascertain that the, the actual people who are voting are who they say they are and are eligible. They want to end elections as we know it. And what better way to slide through candidates they support in order to obtain, retain, and expand power than to have an election that goes on for weeks and months that no one can fairly monitor because it's just happening all the time. It's like they're having a rolling survey or poll and all of a sudden you've got someone who, quote, won. So Judicial Watch has been front and center and in the lead, and we've been punished for it by government and by big tech and targeted by the media for standing for clean elections. But we're not backing down. In fact, we testified, my colleague Judicial Watch senior attorney Russ Nobel testified just this week in the House on election integrity and reform. I think they've had now seven hearings on that, the left has, in the House. And Judicial Watch, I think this is now our, I think it's our fifth test, fourth, it's, if you include mine, I think it's my our fifth since 2020, uh, testifying to the House in support of clean elections or to the Senate. And Russ was there, and if you, I, I encourage you, we'll, we'll, prob we'll post the uh, testimony later. I encourage you to watch it. Uh, well, first of all, it's all on Zoom, which is necessarily objectionable. <laughs> uh, in fact, one of the members, uh, Hank Johnson, uh, an extremist from Texas, he was doing the, the hearing from his car or a car. How do you like that for the way government's working these days? But Russ made the point that one of the big lies out there is that these election security issues or security measures such as voter ID that 80% of the country support has nothing to do with suppressing the vote. In fact, minorities that's allegedly are the target of these voter suppressions, 
their turnout is increasing dramatically, and so much so that they're increasing that, that the minority turnout is better in the bad southern states with these restrictions that are supposedly so suppressive than they are in the old northern states and northeastern New England states. Voter ID encourages participation in the elections because when you reassure people that their vote is more likely to be counted fairly and honestly and not canceled out, potentially by voter fraud, people vote uh, are more likely to participate. That's why these rules are important. And the courts have already found that you don't need to prove voter fraud, that there's an interest in making sure and reassuring voters that the elections are being run in a fair and honest way and in a way that um, reasonably prevents fraud. Because if they're not, people won't participate. And secondly, the other big issue that Judicial Watch remains involved in and we've been pursuing, as I've been telling you, is cleaning up election rolls. There's a new poll out by Rasmussen. So it's 80% in favor of voter ID, 85% in favor of cleaning up election rolls. I mean, you wouldn't know that from the fights we've had in courts throughout the land against the extremist left who come in and tell us it's the worst thing you could possibly do, which is to take people who aren't supposed to be on the rolls off the voter rolls so there are lesser opportunities for fraud. They oppose that. So rather than support voter ID, Rather than support cleaning up the rolls, rather than supporting reforming our election systems to make sure that only eligible citizens are voting, President Biden and his allies on the left have decided to engage in what I call the great defamation. I think this period in history will be seen as uh, be called two things, or at least ought to be called two things, the great suppression the censorship we've all been suffering under, and the great defamation, which is the, uh, the media, governmental, big tech smearing of those who defend the rule of law and those who want clean elections. And this president has compared those who want voter ID, 80% of Americans, you're just, the same, you're just like Bull Connor. He tried to say he didn't say that, but he did say that. You're just like a racist if you support voter ID. 80% of you. No wonder that bill didn't pass with rhetoric like that. So we've got the litigation to clean up the rolls ongoing in three different states. We've highlighted in California and Oregon and New York, 12 million names among those jurisdictions, New York City specifically, uh, some big counties in California and uh, big counties uh, around uh, Portland and Central Oregon. I think there's about 12 million names. And you know how many names they've removed under the law? 33. That doesn't mean they're not removing dead people here and there. It just means they're not removing hundreds of thousands of other names they're supposed to be removing to clean up the rolls. And the American people want it done. This Justice Department is corruptly run. And the leftists there don't want to enforce the law requiring states to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls for the reasons that you might, in my view, that, uh, that the left doesn't want, uh, they want insurance. They want extra names on the rolls to misuse them 
to vote illegally, I think, from time to time. Why else would you be opposed to it? And so Judicial Watch is doing the heavy lifting virtually alone on this to clean up the rolls, and we're doing it successfully. California already, LA County, in a settlement from last, um, a year or two ago, they saw we were right. They hadn't cleaned up the rolls in LA County and California generally for 20 years, and they settled with us. And LA County's in the process of removing up to 1.6 million names from their rolls. So we're having success. There's still a lot of work to be done. As I say, voter ID in many states is not is non-existent. Here in Washington, D.C., I now need a vaccine card and a voter ID to sit at a lunch counter, which is outrageous and anti-constitutional. But I don't need a voter ID to vote. So they support requiring an ID of Americans and in the case, literally a photo ID to eat, but not to vote. And I know about you, but I think the right to vote and your vote is important enough to protect in the least with a voter ID requirement. And I mean photo ID, not like a bank statement or you know, pieces of paper, a secure photo ID. So I'm glad we're uh, testifying this week, but I, I, the point and, and what the testimony shows or the fact the hearing took place is just because they lost in the Senate, everyone says the bill is dead. They're never going to stop pushing for the attacks on election integrity they want to uh, get into place as long as they're controlling Congress. I mean, I wouldn't stop if I were them. You know, this is the thing. It's like, what would you do? Let's say you had a policy proposal and it failed. I mean, would you just give up and stop? No. So the left isn't going to stop. The left isn't going to stop. And as evidenced by this hearing the other day, and uh, so uh, Judicial Watch is educating Congress. We're in federal court suing to clean up the rolls in Maryland. We're suing over that uh, abusive gerrymander, which uh, is an outrageous abuse of power that you know, as uh, you, you've seen some of these crazy gerrymandered map maps. I mean, it's just incredible all the work we're doing. And uh, someone's got to do it. And we're proud to be able to do it. And as I remind everyone, or I try to remind you from time to time, we're only able to do it because of your support. And I encourage you to continue supporting Judicial Watch if you value your right to vote. Now, before I leave, I do want to talk, spend a few minutes talking about uh, Ukraine. I don't know what's happening in Ukraine. I mean, from the big picture uh, perspective, I see Russia as uh, already, quote, breaking the norms by placing large numbers of troops on the border with a, on the border of Ukraine. No punishment for them for that. So, I mean, they, they've kind of got some benefit already from their uh, uh, 
uh, dangerous games in terms of uh, seemingly to prepare for invasion. But what I want to do is to highlight the intersection between government corruption and the international crisis we're in over the Russia's, uh, Russia's threatening uh, uh, stance in terms of invading Ukraine. Now, we're not allowed to say this, I say that jokingly, but Ukraine, the evidence shows, targeted Trump because they evidently wanted Hillary Clinton to win. And when Trump asked questions about it and asked questions about uh, Hunter Biden's involvement in Burisma, the Ukrainian entity for which he was given outrageous amounts of money for really to do nothing, is uh, he got impeached for it. So remember, the first impeachment of President Trump was about uh, punishing him for asking questions about Ukrainian interference in our elections. It's all part of Russiagate. And Joe Biden corruption tied to all of that. So they were so concerned about Joe Biden and Ukraine that they were prepared to remove a president from office from asking questions about it. That's just how abusive that crowd is. And Judicial Watch separately uncovered all sorts of concerns about Biden and Ukraine and Russia, even in the Obama administration. I mean, we had documents from the Obama administration that we uncovered where a key official was talking to our ambassador to Ukraine about the Russians trolling Joe Biden over his connections to Burisma in Ukraine because Biden was making noise of fighting corruption in Ukraine. And the Russians are like, who are you kidding? Your son's shaking things down here. So the way I look at this is that you had the Biden gang involved in a shakedown operation of Ukraine that included Biden's own admission on tape that he forced the firing of a prosecutor that potentially was a, a, a targeting, uh, who potentially was targeting Burisma by threatening to withhold aid. I mean, that's just, that's just like a snippet of, all, of the issue. And then you remember there's the Senate report that confirmed that uh, uh, the mayor of the, I guess, the, the wife of the ex-mayor of Moscow, maybe the widow, gave all sorts of money to Biden's firm as well. Three million dollars, I think the number was. Biden's been compromised. So if you're Putin, you know you've got Biden in his, your pocket. You, you just think he's either corrupted or you have something on him because of his family's um, business, uh, corrupt business dealings in Ukraine. So I highlight that all to uh, detail to you that there's a connection between the international crisis and Biden corruption. And it's something the media isn't going to talk about. But it's something Judicial Watch continues to investigate. And at least with respect to yours truly and Judicial Watch generally, we're going to talk about. And it's further confirmation that government corruption, the consequences can be dangerous. It's not just 
you know, a buddy getting a contract here and there and money they're not supposed to get and waste, fraud and abuse, at certain levels, it, it, it places the whole world at risk. So, I mean, I, I'm sure when the next crisis with China arises, I can give the same report to you, just substitute all of Hunter Biden's China dealings. I mean, my concern is, uh, besides uh, Joe Biden's, uh, uh, I, I, I'm, making, I'm highlighting his cognitive challenges. Sometimes I feel like I have them in terms of trying to get some words out. So there's, you know, there's general public concern about his cognitive challenges. To me, the graver concern or equally grave concern is the fact that you have uh, his family's business dealings that he was involved in. Remember, 10% for the big guy. It's been confirmed he was involved in these business dealings. Heck, it was going on while he was in office and he was part of some of these business dealings directly meeting with some of these folks. I mean, the Chinese and the Russians have Biden's number, and they do because he's been compromised by his personal corruption. Republicans don't want to talk about it. The media won't talk about it. But you can always trust Judicial Watch not only, quote, to talk about it, but to actually do something about it. And I've been talking about the lawsuits we have on these issues. And believe me, there's always additional Freedom of Information Act requests out there that we're going to be following up on as well, either uh, through the regular process or uh, through more lawsuits. So uh, with that, I give you a, uh, I bid you farewell, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.